Welcome to the podcast for the Open Door Church. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors of the Open Door. Currently the only pastor. We're in the process of hiring a new co-pastor. And we're excited about that. The search is going well. But today we're going to listen in on the worship gathering from this past Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent. This was uh, recorded yesterday during our Zoom call, um, the way that we do worship right now, um, along with small gatherings up at our farm. If you're interested in checking out either our Zoom gathering or coming up to the farm, go to our website, uh, pghopendoor.net, and you can get all the info that you need to be able to join in on a Sunday morning, either 9 o'clock at the farm, socially distanced, and um, we think really safe during these uh, times of COVID. Um, Or you can do our Zoom call, which happens at 1030. Um, All of our music right now is uh, from our band, This Side of Eve. Um, Right now you're hearing our version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. scripture today is from Isaiah 64. We already heard just a little bit of it in our liturgy, and I'm going to read um, the whole of 64 here. So Lord, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we can hear and experience um, your word. Uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait on him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who, bring, those who remember you in your ways, But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We've all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls in your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you've hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. 
Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So I, like probably many of you, I love Advent. Um, Yes, Advent leads to Christmas, but that's not the only reason that I love Advent. For some of us, uh, the experience of God through the tiny specks of light, like stars, the bits of light, Um, that we can experience in times of Advent, times like Advent, can be very powerful. We experience God powerfully in in the tiny, tiny ways that God connects with us. And we celebrate those, those types of times in Advent. Advent is all about silence, mystery, hope, waiting, darkness, and light, but just enough light, just breaking in to that darkness. So I love Advent, the idea of the light breaking in to our reality. Can you, can you remember a time where you experienced sheer, utter darkness? Um, some of us probably haven't ever experienced true true darkness. Um, For those of you who have been in a cave, raise your hand if you've been in a cave and experienced complete, complete darkness in a cave. It's like every cave you go in, if it's a guided tour, at some point you turn off the flashlights and experience what complete darkness is like. Being in that sort of darkness is, it's unparalleled above ground. There's nothing like it. Um, above ground. It's completely dizzying darkness. It's disorienting darkness. But the tiniest bits of light can be beautiful when there's great darkness. I think that's why many of us uh, love to see the stars. There's something magical about the night sky, isn't there? Um, Stars are like Stars are like bits of hope um, in dark times. We can make kind of look at the stars as a metaphor. I like to. Um, our family, one of our favorite places to go is Shenandoah National Park. It's just there uh, a month and a half ago. Um, love that park. And one of our favorite places to camp when we're at the park is at uh, Big Meadows. Anybody ever been to Big Meadows? I know some of you have talked to you about it. Um, there's a campground at Big Meadows, and Big Meadows is one of the only places in Shenandoah National Park where there's not a thick forest. Nor, you know, normally in the park, there's the thick um, kind of eastern hardwood forest, whether it's the top of the mountains or down in the valleys. But Big Meadows is a big meadow, uh, I think a few hundred acres of natural meadow 
which is a rare thing. And it's high enough in elevation that it's, it's way above the lights of the towns that surround Shenandoah National Park. I mean, Washington, D.C. is only um, an hour or so away. But at 4,000 feet, um, the meadow is far above any of the lights down in the valleys. It's an amazing place to see the stars. When the moon is still below the horizon, the stars seem to multiply exponentially compared to what you see in the city or, or in the suburbs even um, around Pittsburgh. And the Milky Way is like, it's like it, it looks like a cloud of stars. Millions and billions of stars in the Milky Way are some of the closest stars to us, and yet they look so tiny that they look like mist in the Milky Way. We couldn't see any of those beautiful stars without, without darkness, without um, a lot of darkness. Even the moon, when it comes up, sheds too much light and we can lose sight of the beauty of the Milky Way. Light in the darkness can be a, a beautiful thing. I think um, some of my favorite musicians are great at pointing, pointing this out, that light in the darkness um, can be sometimes more beautiful than, than trying to look directly into the light into a bright light. One musician, uh, Bruce Coburn, who I've loved for many, many years, uh, he says that, um, that when we create poetry, lyrics, music, um, that is describing the light, that can be, that can be good. That can be beautiful. Or we can write about the things in the world as the light is reflected in the world. So he, he talks about the reflection of light and he says that his songwriting isn't so much writing about the, the light, but what is the re light reflecting on in our world? I was looking at the sitting out last night. Um, did you notice that the moon was pretty incredible? Um, very bright last, last night. So not too many stars, but the moon was, I think, either full or a day away from being full. And I was thinking that the moon has no light in itself. It doesn't create a photon of light, but it, the sun's light is reflected off the moon uh, powerfully. And we can enjoy that. We can see the beauty of the moon for all that it is worth because of the light that is shining on it. But we can only see that in the dark. You can't see that in the daytime. Songwriters like Linford Detweiler of Over the Rhine are masters at writing about the natural world um, and, and just life in general, writing about the reflection of God's light, like Bruce Coburn talks about it. I especially love finding reflections of God's light in unexpected places. I mean, we can go to expected places to hear about and see God, see God's light, see, hear about God. We can come to a worship gathering. We know what we're, what we're going to hear. We know a little bit. We know we're going to hear about God. But to find those um, 
those bright places of light in darker areas or in places that are less expected can be really powerful, at least to me. One of those places in music is in the lyrics and the songs of a band called The War on Drugs. Um, I don't know where their name comes from, but they're a great band. Uh, one of their choruses reads this. It says, Sometimes I wait for the cold wind to blow as I struggle with myself right now, as I let her darkness in. But I don't mind chasing you through the back ways for the keys. It evaporates and fades like a grand parade, and I don't mind you disappearing when I know you can be found. When you're living in the dark side of the street, we're just living in the moment, making our past, losing our grasp through the grand parade. There's something about those lyrics and the honest wrestling with darkness and finding, I think, God, losing grasp of God, but knowing that God can be found. He says, I don't mind you disappearing when I know you can be found. Advent is about the silence, the stillness, the darkness, the seeming absence of God sometimes, but then seeing glimpses of God like starlight. In Isaiah's day, the silence from God must have gone on for, I mean, it did go on for generations. It was a generational silence that they were experiencing. Like looking for the stars in the streets of the city. God's people had nearly forgotten who they were and who their God was. Likewise, in Jesus's day, those waiting for a savior had nearly lost hope. Today, many of us suffer in silence, awaiting a word from God, awaiting action from God, awaiting something from God. Many of us have felt that. Many of us have been in that place. We all have friends and family members who've moved on from the waiting, moved on from hoping, and are no longer seeking after God. We all know people who have given up on waiting. Advent is for those of us who are still waiting, still hoping, and still believing that even though it has been a long, long wait, God will make God's self known again. We've all prayed at different times in our lives that God would break through, shake our world, make God's self known in our lives like a burst of light in the dark sky. Isaiah says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. When something is rendered, it's separated, it's pulled apart, torn apart. Isaiah is praying that the sky would explode with the presence of God. People would have believed that the heavens in, in Isaiah's time were, were inaccessible, held beyond what they called a firmament. It was a separation between the, the creation, 
the world, the earth, and heaven. So they believed that there was a, actually a giant dome over the earth. The earth was a disk, and it was in an ocean. So the ocean seemed to be just unknown size, just almost everlasting ocean. But, but the, the earth itself was th this disk of land in their understanding in, you know, 3,000 year old cosmology. And the firmament, the stars were like little, little holes poked in this giant dome over the earth. And on the other side of the dome was the mystery, the mystery of God, the light of God that was overwhelming. And the stars just letting those pinpricks of God's, uh, God's light through. So Isaiah prayed that that separation, that firmament would be torn apart, would be rendered separated, and that God would come down and do something because Israel was in a bad place. And they had felt silence from God for so long. Isaiah begins this passage praying for God's action. The people of God had gone through a long, long silence and absence of God. I like this passage because Isaiah doesn't put all the blame for that, for, for what's happening, for that silence from God. He, Isaiah doesn't put all the blame on the people, but put some of the responsibility back on God. Isaiah says in verse 5, You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. That phrase just hit me this week. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. Now Isaiah is just being honest here and if you know anything about me, I like honesty and especially honesty with our relationship with God. Isaiah's being honest here. It seems God has separated God's self from God's people and therefore they've transgressed. They've strayed. The passage comes quite late in the book of Isaiah's prophecy. The, the people had already experienced a generation of loss, a generation of being separated from their city, from their culture, from their way of worship. Isaiah says that the people had forgotten so much. They'd forgotten God because God had been silent and seemingly inactive for so long. They'd been torn out of their city. We know the story. We know what Isaiah was writing about. And this comes late in the book of Isaiah. They've been gone from the city. They've been taken by the uh, Babylonians for, 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 for decades, for generations. Many times we would explain away God's silence. We might say it... Really, it's our fault, and here's how we fix it. 
If, if God is silent, then you've done something wrong. And here's how you hear God. Here's what you can do. Do these things and God will, will, God will be active in your life and you'll know God. And sometimes that's right. <laughs> but sometimes we need to sit with the fact that God is silent and, and be okay with that. I think Advent is a time to sit in the silence, to sit with the darkness, to find peace with it. As you know, pastors aren't good at um, at at silence. <laughs> I don't think we're good at celebrating Advent because we want to have answers and get beyond the darkness and the silence as quickly as possible because it's uncomfortable. But in Advent, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to sit with the silence. It's okay to not know. Maybe Advent is about being present with the silence. Remaining in the silence allows us to forgive ourselves for not always believing, not always having the faith that we want to have. I think that a contemplative practice of silence can show us that God is the silence. During Advent, can we be okay with the silence? I think we also need to be okay with the darkness. Advent can be a month of practicing God's presence with us, even when it's hard. We live in dark times right now. But in the darkness, the little bits of light that we do see can be all the more beautiful. Another lyric by Adam Grandusiel, the, um, the lead in the band The War on Drugs, writes, Late at night, I want to see you. Will my eyes, they begin to fade? Just, am I just living in the space between the beauty and the pain and the real thing? The real thing that Grand Duciel writes about could be the full experience of life, the experience of something bigger than ourselves that connects us to the whole. Advent can be a time of year when we experience the space between the beauty and the pain. Advent is the experience of the real thing that Grand Duciel writes about. Not something that we can explain, but something that we can sit with and come to terms with and experience. Practicing the space between takes intention to ground ourselves in the here and now. When God seems distant or silent or the darkness seems disorienting like true darkness is, like when we're in a cave, we need practices in our lives that ground us. Lately, many of us have been struggling with anxiety. We hear about it everywhere, all the time. And I know a lot of people who are struggling with anxiety. Anxiety is an ungrounding from a musical perspective, I think anxiety is like imagining the unraveling of a great 
piece of music. Imagine all the notes of a piece of music, any kind of music coming off the page or the record and swirling in the air. Um, those notes, those sounds lose their connection and their beauty. If you played all the notes of a piece of Mozart all at the same time, they would just be absolute chaos, just be noise, right? That's what it feels like to have anxiety going out of control. My wife, Alyssa, when she sees that I'm struggling with anxiety, she's really good at, at noticing it and giving me ways of grounding myself. And I found myself having to do that more and more often lately. Grounding myself in the moment. Grounding brings the beauty of the music back down to the page. Grounding brings our lives back to the page so we can experience each moment in its time and in its place. So during Advent, how might you take time to ground yourself so that those beautiful notes of music can be experienced and not just thrown up in the air into chaos? How are you keeping your mind away from the pull of so much to worry about? We can be intentional about grounding ourselves this Advent. So what practices do you have? Some practices that help me see a glimpse of God's light in the, you know, shining in this darkness are to pay attention like we do during worship. Pay attention to the breath, the breath that God gives to you. Breath is such a powerful thing in the scriptures. God breathes humanity, life into humanity, life into all living creatures. God breathes it. There's sacredness in life. There's sacredness in breath. In our passage today, Isaiah seems to get a little anxious too. So after he, after the first section, the whole middle part is, we have sinned, you're silent, all of the struggle that Isaiah is feeling absence of God. But then at the end, Isaiah regrounds himself and regrounds this passage. Isaiah is grounded in the hope and the love of God. Verse 8 says, O Lord, you are our Father. Oh, wait, it starts with yet, which is an important word. It's the turning point. Yet. Oh Lord. So all of this silence, darkness, struggle, yet, oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. Isaiah comes back to God's faithfulness. Isaiah grounds his own anxiety and this whole prayer in the belief that God is still the divine, loving parent shaping God's people who he loves unconditionally. That's you. That's me. That's all that God has created. 
we are grounded in God's love. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and earth, we pray that you would ground us here in this time of Advent as we continue to be in a time that is really scary. As numbers continue to rise um, around this pandemic, as more people die um, and more people get sick, our anxiety rises and we wonder how we can even celebrate the coming of your son. How, how can we celebrate Christmas? God, we pray that you would ground us in the fact that you love us, that you are our father, that you are our divine parent, molding us, shaping us, like Isaiah talks about. God, we need that molding and that shaping now. We have big prayers like Isaiah does, prayers that you would rip open the heavens, that you would make yourself known, bringing love and peace and justice to this world. So God, maybe we only see specks of starlight right now, but we have hope and we pray like Isaiah prayed for big action from you for the sake of your kingdom, your upside down kingdom, where the first are last, the last are first, where the suffering are right, can right, be risen up, the poor are raised up. God, we pray for that in our world.